As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben, and we are here today with our super producer, Noel the Easy Rider Brown. Noel Ben-Hur Brown. Oh, nice. Good, yeah. 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 Uh, that, actually, I think I'm, I'm going on with that name. That's really? a good one, yeah. Oh, wow. That's maybe at first. I mean, I, I usually like the ones you give. I just give an alternate because uh, it seems like the thing to do. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Easy Rider, Ben-Hur. What could those things have to do with each other? Hmm. Hmm. Well, unless you've read the or haven't read the the title of this episode, <laughs> right. uh, you won't have any idea what we're talking about. But we are talking about the very little known exhibition sport, or eh, exhibition sport maybe, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exhibition sport of motorcycle chariot racing. You heard it correctly the first time, folks. That's right. Uh, think of those chariot races you've seen in uh, films, unless you are very, very. Very, very old, and like by which I mean ancient, or you happen to see niche modern chariot racing. Oh, you're saying if somebody has actually seen true chariot racing. Right. Like first century chariot racing. Right. Uh, which I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume that no one has. <laughs> I would think not. Uh, if you no, have, but, what a life you have lived. But, but you have probably yeah. seen the 1959 movie Ben-Hur. Yes, which involves a climactic chariot oh, race. very much so. And it's about 10 minutes long, and, uh, and it's fantastic It's a watch. piece of cinematic history. It really is. I watched that today. It's also brutal. It's also yeah. very brutal. So a um, lot going on in that. But I heard behind the scenes it was pretty dangerous, too. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no doubt that these are dangerous stunts that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, no way around it. I mean, they're being drugged beneath chariots and where the horse's hooves are. And yeah. Uh, anyways, you, you've got to watch the scene if you haven't seen it yet to uh, to understand. But we're talking about the you know the old Roman Empire style uh-huh. chariot races, right? So like two wheels and a uh, two wheels and a connector or yoke of some sort tied to a team of horses. Yeah, 
horses in the past. In the past. However, this is the future, my friends, or it was in the 1920s where a couple of guys got together and said, you know what we should do is replace those horses with motorcycles. 1920s and 1930s. That's right. Yeah. It, it goes way, way back. So we're approaching 100 years ago at this point, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this predates the Ben-Hur movie, so I don't know what made these guys think about chariot racing at that point, but they did. Yeah. And they developed, as you said, um, kind of a daredevil trend of the day mm-hmm. in that they would race these things at exhibitions, maybe at a state fair or at a world fair or something like that. But, right. it, but it went on for a while, and it wasn't really a, a – there wasn't like a league or anything like that, but – it's an interesting idea that they would have these old Harley Davidson or Indian motorcycles and they would have them somehow um, yoked to the chariot. Mm-hmm. And then the chariot driver was actually, well, not early on. We'll tell you about a couple of versions. Yeah, of this, yeah, but, yeah. But he's controlling the motorcycles from back in the chariot, you know, the uh, the case or the uh, the cart, rather. Right. And right. So With the, a set of leather reins. Yeah. <laughs> so super dangerous. <laughs> now, I, you know what? There, now I think about it, there was a spoof commercial on just recently where the guy's looking at a new motorcycle and they were showing him he said well where's the handlebars he said oh no 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 handlebars just use these and he holds him like a couple of limp leather reins you know to control <laughs> it he said that's not a that's not a good idea but uh, i thought of that when when i was looking at this because the original right motorcycle chair very first ones back in like 22 and 25 yeah they had two people involved there was a, a rider on the bike and there was someone driving the chariot, supposedly. And there was, was a riding. single motorcycle. Yeah, single motorcycle. And, of course, they, you know, for show, they would have, uh, you know, the rider in the chariot part with like a whip a, in his hand. Yeah, and wearing a toga or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, But you, it also, you can see some fantastic old pictures of this and the original, that original setup with the motorcycle being driven by somebody riding the motorcycle. Uh, there are reins that are almost like strings, yeah. but they're tied to the yoke. And so there's this great picture you could see of some, of someone race, of uh, these two guys racing, or these two teams racing, and, uh, the motorcycles are neck and neck. And one guy in a chariot has, like, brandishing a whip as though he's gonna make the motorcycle faster. Yeah. And then the other guy is holding on to these reins that are just looped around the, the, the yoke of this, uh, chariot. And he is, like, giving it all he's got, pulling it as though it does something. As if he's turning, right? That's yeah. Funny. So this is clearly an exhibition. Oh, thing. clearly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it started to develop from this point, though. You know, somebody has had the idea to do this with, you know, the rider and the, and the, Chariot, well, the passenger, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Um, but then later, they figured out a way to do this kind of remotely, where the reins actually do something. The reins were attached to the handlebars. Right. And they found out a way to mechanically um, accelerate this thing. And right. They found out a way to mechanically brake it and to, and and to shift. steer and shift. Yeah, and yeah. shift, because that's necessary as well. So this got to be really cool in, you know, like maybe a few years later, when they started to add you know, additional motorcycles. Oh, yeah, they started multiple to, bikes. So there's, you know, then they went to two motorcycles, and they right. went to three, and then up to four motorcycles at a time. In a team, there's, yeah. There's some fantastic historical photos of people racing in full, you know, Roman gear. Right. With three motorcycles, and we're talking about three really cool-looking old 1920s Harley-Davidson-type motorcycles. Yeah, and um, then you can see, like, uh, you can see some um, triumphs as well. Yeah, on these big tracks, these dirt yeah. tracks. And they're neck and neck with other drivers, other riders, rather. And it's really, really interesting. It's fascinating to look at. It. And I love to think that there was, you know, 
five or six sets of these out on the track, and they were truly racing like they did the you know the Ben Hur Chariot race. Right, and these uh, we should say that these bikes had different setups. Some of them would be you know just four in a row with a with a horizontal bars connecting them. Uh, then also they would there were different setups for steering. So I know it sounds kind of weird, you guys, to say wait someone's driving three or four motorcycles at once with leather reins strapped to the throttle. Uh, they also used rigid kind of extended handlebars, especially for multiple bikes. So it's not perhaps as foolhardy as it might seem. Yeah, exactly. And they did this for, um, as we said, as an exhibition sport, a daredevil kind of thing. It was like, um, you know, maybe if they're having a horse race or something, they would drag these out as like, you know, they're going to do one lap and yeah. it's going to get the crowd really going because they've never seen anything like this. But um, or, you know, maybe an, an auto race or something like that. They would bring this out again as an exhibition. But it, there, was, there was never a league or never anything, um, you know, actually organized around this whole thing. Right. But there are plenty of photos of people who tried it all throughout history. And there are modern examples of this today. You can see a few on YouTube, actually. Sure, yeah. Even the Top Gear guys got involved in one. They right. did an, an exhibition. <laughs> I want to say that, and I don't know where this happened. I want to say it was in Australia, but I'm not sure, because they were on part of a, like a road tour. Right. And uh, they did it with scooters, and I think they had four or five scooters each, and they did kind of a thing in a little, uh, you know, a I guess a flat track amphitheater, you know, with a polished concrete floor. And it, yeah. was, it was kind of exciting to watch. It was fun. Uh, but there's another version of this that made a recent appearance at the uh, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in North Dakota. And this is the one that was built by a guy named um, Michael Mokos. And Michael Mokos built uh, this this crazy design. I mean, it was featured on um, Outrageous Acts of Science, uh, that, that television program. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of their Home Hacks series. It was number 16 on the Home Hacks. And other people online have posted, you know, video of this guy arriving in Sturgis because it was so unusual. He drove it to the event. Yeah. Uh, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. And it, it's so crazy. It's, it's much larger than the historical versions that we saw. It's a, it's a, um, a different setup. And I'll, I'll tell you about the setup in just a moment, but it's got, you know, the full size motorcycle in front, just one. Mm-hmm. But the chariot itself is much, much bigger. And I don't know why he went quite so high with it, why it's so tall. Maybe it's just because, you know, it's a better yeah. line of sight, supposedly. Mm-hmm. But again, you got to remember he's standing up and it's a safety issue for the way the front is because when he's standing in the chariot and he leans forward onto that front surface, um, the top of the chariot, the, the top rail of the chariot, Dips down a it presses yeah. almost right up near his neck. It's the top of his chest. Yeah. And I think it's a safety issue so that he's not going to end up flying out the front of this thing. Right. Uh, also, there's a bar that's, that's behind him that he can kind of rest on. He can almost mm-hmm. sit on this uh, single metal bar that's behind him. But it's a big vehicle. It's really, really big. Yeah, yeah. And he truly does control it with reins. It's, yeah, this guy does use reins. There's no trick to this. I mean, this guy developed this whole thing, and I, he worked with another guy, and I never got this guy's last name, but his name is Ross. Uh, so it wasn't just Michael. It was Michael and Ross who developed this whole thing. It's got an 80-mile-per-hour top speed, and, again, the controls, because I was most curious about the controls, because when you see him on this, this bike, on this, right. uh, on this road, he's got five cables that run from his hands to the bike. Yeah. And those cables are actually controlling. I was thinking there's some kind of trickery happening here. No, he looks foot- like a puppeteer. I thought it would be foot pedals and some sort of hand control as well, you know, a, right. a lever that controls the throttle, you know, something like that. But there's nothing like that. This is truly being operated by, um, you know, like these loose reins that he has in his hands. And now 
they didn't really give away any secrets to how he, how he does it. You know, the, the mechanism, the, uh, the linkages that make it all work. Uh huh. But there are five cables and two are for the gears. So there's obviously one up, one down. You're able mm-hmm. to shift that way. And then one is for the accelerator that, you know, twists the handle. And the other, the other two are, of course, for the handlebars. These are the actual reins for the setup. And he actually steers with those reins. So this is really, I guess, the most authentic that I've seen of all these versions. Yeah. Uh, the way that he controls it. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. (sighs) Good one, Dad. (sighs) Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it definitely, when <laughs> I just can't imagine being on the side of the road or having stopped or even just driving past this guy. It's got to be a, a heck of a uh, a heck of a thing. I bet he gets pulled over all the time 
by cops who just want to get a closer look at the vehicle. Oh, right? I, I bet that's very likely in that, you know, I'm sure there's probably a little bit like, uh, well, I didn't see any, uh, you know, rear license plate on this thing or whatever, you know, like a, an, equi- <laughs> an equipment violation question or something. But, uh, but, but I hope, I hope it's, uh, I, I hope it's in good fun. I do too. I hope it's like, that's, that's the way I'm going to get to talk to this guy, you know, like yeah, uh, totally. to pull him over for that. Cause right. I, I think you're right. I bet, I bet cops do pull him over and just say like, what what's the story? What, what's going on here, yeah. buddy? Yeah, and that yeah. happens. That happens to people with cars too. Sometimes, is, you know, sure. like, come on, just you got to tell me about this because I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, um, one um one of well, okay, the names will not be mentioned for the protection of everybody involved. <laughs> okay, uh, but this girl I dated in um right right before college, she uh her dad was super super into um super into like souped up vehicles. Mm-hmm. And he had he had this custom built like motorcycle converted to uh, a three wheel kind of thing with what looked like a stylized sofa almost at the end. Oh boy! Yeah, and he would get pulled over so that uh, he, people would pull him over so that they could take pictures. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> he got pulled over like twice while we were dating for someone to take pictures. I was never in there, but he showed me one of the pictures. So this is like a guy that builds something and then it ends up in a magazine someday. You know, yeah, that so was cool. his like main hobby. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty neat. I, yeah, he's a cool guy. I can see it happening. So, I liked him a little bit better than his daughter. <laughs> like we got along a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's all that uncommon at a certain point. You know, <laughs> that happens. It's uh, almost like you don't want to break up because you don't want to end the relationship with the girl's dad. Right, right, right. <laughs> Come on, man, build me a motorcycle. It's, it's funny to think of it that way, isn't it? All right, so I don't think I don't think women think like that at all. I mean, I maybe know. I, I don't think so. I don't know. I've, I doubt it. I've never been, uh, I've n- never tried to broach that question. I haven't either. And I guess, uh, I guess maybe we should ask somebody. Okay. Uh, you or or maybe, maybe we better not ask somebody. Maybe right. you should. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the, the last two things I kind of want to point yeah. out about this modern, uh, mm-hmm. this, this modern version is that, and of course, you said it's got an 80 mile per hour top speed and you're in a very, uh, let's call it vulnerable position where you're standing right. atop this thing, you know, way up. Uh, but the way that they're getting around, um, you know, keeping the bike stable, because you might be concerned of, you know, this, this bike accelerating with no rider on it, because usually the rider counteracts the action of the, of the front wheel, you know, lifting. Yeah. So you would think that every time he accelerates, it would just automatically go into wheelie position and that would be it. But this guy has developed a, um, what he calls a, uh, a fifth wheel for this thing. It's a fifth wheel connection point. And you'd have to see it to understand what I'm talking about, but it is a, uh, it's a ver, it's just a bracket that attaches the chariot to the bike. Mm-hmm. And so that, that helps with stability. It's a, it's a connection that doesn't allow the bike to move up or down. The connection doesn't move up or down. It only moves left or right. Right. And if you've yeah. seen a fifth wheel connection, you understand what I mean by that. Also, another modification that he's done is he's moved the front wheel way out in front so that, uh, the forks are extremely long. And uh, that prevents the you know the the wheel or it helps I guess in having the wheel come up on acceleration. Yeah. It's not quite as uh, compact a package as it would have been before. So you know with no rider weight behind this thing mm-hmm. uh, because the rider is again it's he's six or eight feet behind the bike, which is so unusual. Um, yeah. you, you really you've got to see this thing in action to understand what we're talking about, unless unless you haven't you know if you haven't already because. Even the development of this thing, they show these guys riding around in their parking lot or, you know, where they're, where they're building these uh-huh. and they're crashing them all the time and they're bumping into things and they're bumping into each other with these, these prototypes. Uh, it's really a fascinating thing to see how they get it all to work together. It's a fun idea. It is. I don't know if it's something that I would do. Um, 
I would love, I, I like watching it. It's a cool thing. If it were still an exhibition sport, I would consider racing and I would have a probably a short lived career there. Sure. And you know, it seems like in racing, you could almost just go full out. Right. And not have to worry about the gear shifting and that. But when just you're actually it, driving. Just almost like an on off. When you're actually driving, I mean, that, that is, uh, uh, a particular set of skills, to yeah. quote Liam Neeson. There's so many variables when you get out onto the, the road with actual traffic. How right. are people going to react to it? Right. How are, what are they going to do? Because the, the video clip that I saw, there, there were people slowing down to, to see this guy yeah, or having to, a little. more like having to speed up to see this guy because he's really letting it have it. And yeah, he, he can go. And he's, he's, again, he's steering, he's shifting, he's accelerating, he's braking. He's doing all that with these five reins, which is really, it's quite a skill. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, how long does it take to master that enough to be able to feel comfortable being around a crowd or being, um, you know, in a, I guess, in a, even a parking lot situation? Uh, you've yeah. got to really be confident about about your your skill with that machine. Oh, and but you can tell this guy is is pretty pretty accomplished. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's got you know hundreds of hours of, of riding this thing just in development. You know, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. As and I said. You know, the, the, uh, the video of he and his friend Ross there, you know, working on this, you know, trying to get the, the, the designs down. Hmm. They often made mistakes where they're bumping into each other or bumping into objects. Right. Um, things didn't quite work the way they thought it was going to. It's, it's kind of funny to watch, but there's not a lot of that out there. And there's yeah. definitely not a lot of information out there about the, the historic motorcycle chair. Right. Racing. Yeah. You can find newspaper clippings and you can find some archival photos, but, Similar in some ways to the practice of the noble practice of auto polo. It seems like a thing that has been largely obscured by the grind of history. You know, I have yet to find one film clip of these in action other than the modern version that we're talking about. Right. I, can't, I can't find a single film clip of historic chariot racing or motorcycle chariot racing happening. Uh, it, outside of, you know, just the, the photos that we see. It's time to go to the Library of Congress, Scott. It, it's gotta be somewhere there, but it has yet to be uploaded to the internet, as far right. as I can tell. Unless I'm just doing, you know, I'm doing the most basic keyword searches and it's not coming up. If I do some, maybe digging a little more. Yeah, put some specific names in or dates. Or an event. An or event, an event, that, event where they were, where better. they were running. There, there might be a film clip out there that, you know, it's just not tagged in the right way. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. 
The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But you know what uh, occurs to me when talking about this stuff? It, this is just another thing that that we thought you guys would find interesting given how it's like uh, – it, it's one of those – okay – it's an oddity. It's what people sometimes call a hold my beer. Have you ever heard this phrase? <laughs> yes, I you know what I think I know what you're getting at, but I've never I've never heard it just called that. Like uh, this isn't this is a hold my beer idea. Yeah, where uh you know, you're hanging out with your buddies and it's always someone's famous last words <laughs> yeah. before they trampoline off the roof or before they try to uh Take a, or before they try to set up a slip and slide uh, down the an interstate yeah. or something. You know what? You call it a hold my beer moment. I call it a hey y'all watch this. Hey y'all watch this. Yeah, yeah. That's sometimes that's a lot of people's last words. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like hold my beer. Uh, what? Watch me launch this uh, firecracker out of my mouth. <laughs> right. And the interesting thing here is that I think it may have been more like that in the early days of chariot racing where someone's like, you know what? What if, hang on, hold my beer. Y'all watch this. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got this wheel thing, don't we? Right, yeah. i got those horses. Yeah. Um, engine has yet to be invented for you know, maybe a couple thousand years. <laughs> right, right. What are we going to do? How are we going to work? Oh, I mean motorcycle chariot specifically. Oh, motor- oh, oh, oh I th- <laughs> if you think about the chariot itself, the design of it, it uh it makes sense i'm not a military historian so i can't really speak to uh the history of the chariot or the best use of it but uh i think that the motorcycle part was very much a hey charlie get your motorcycle i i want to show you something well they call them the iron horse anyways right? right so so it makes perfect sense i guess someone probably just put the two together like wait a minute but for the for the guy the modern people doing it I think it's much more like a um, a hobby or maybe even their third vehicle. And speaking of amazing segues, 
Would you like to do some listener mail? I'd love to do listener mail. So since motorcycle chariot racing is a fascinating topic that doesn't have a lot out there yet until uh, until we can maybe we can interview the the guys doing it now. And now there's a podcast out there. Well, now there's one podcast out there. We decided we would also do a little bit of listener mail and we got some great responses on our third vehicle podcast, which was uh, Scott's mystery show number three, I want to say. I think you're right. All right. So Chris S. writes into us and says, uh, my third car. So Scott and Ben, I have a 1984 Chevy Blazer with a 6.2 liter diesel engine. I love the thing. Shortly after I got it, I was told it was probably an old military truck. So I did some searching on the old Chevy military trucks from the mid-80s, and I've been interested in them ever since. Every now and then I get on Craigslist to see if any are for sale. A few months ago, I ran across a 1984 CUCV ambulance that someone had for sale. They'd driven it around the country on all sorts of adventures. I love the look of this thing so much that I actually tried to convince myself that this would be a practical purchase as my family's, air quotes, camping vehicle. Just to let you know how impractical this would be for me, I'm married with a three- and a four-year-old. I already have two older Chevy trucks. We would have no place to keep it without sitting in our yard, and we'd rarely, if ever, use it. So, back to reality. When I heard Ben say he'd want an RV, I had to send you guys these pictures that I saved from the Craigslist post. I don't know if it would be big enough for what you have in mind, but I think it would be an awesome third vehicle to have. When the engine's taken care of, they're bulletproof so long as the transmission, four-wheel drive components stay healthy. This would be an unstoppable cross-country adventure truck. One more thing I thought was interesting. One of the tags on the Craigslist post was zombie apocalypse. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for sending this. Did you see this so, one, Scott? Uh, you know what? That pictures. is a brand new email, and I have not seen it yet. I've been, I've been, uh, you know, watching the Ben Hur chariot race. And <laughs> so, um, no, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, so I'm excited it, to see it. He's got these pictures oh, yeah. inside of the vehicle from, from the Craigslist, and you can see it's spacious. Yeah, it is. And you can see, like, uh, clearly it needs some work, but you could make this, you could make this into a rolling, Living space. Oh, very easily. So. It looks like some custom, uh, custom shelving going on yeah. there. Some, a lot of custom work already. Yeah. And, this thing. and I would, very uh, nice. I, I would be into it. Uh, I think that will be more, uh, helpful than, <laughs> more helpful than an RV, which leads me to another piece of listener mail. Okay. I think you know which one I'm going to read. Possibly. Okay. So. Uh, our good friend, uh, sort of the fourth member of our show, Rudy, writes in, and uh, he's talking about Scott's Mystery Show number three, third car, and he has some words of warning for me. Oh, I do remember this. And uh, and, and I think these are great because uh, – and I'll, I'll read this and respond to it on air, but I, I thought it was great. I appreciated it, and it's something more people should consider when they get an RV. Rudy says, great idea for the show, very thought-provoking. Ben. Don't buy an RV unless you research it thoroughly first. It is not a vehicle. It's a lifestyle. There are many negatives. <laughs> there are plenty of good books on the lifestyle. I looked into it seriously and rejected it. Although you've already done a podcast on RVs, you may want to consider another one on the counterintuitive world of living in an RV. For one thing, the open road is not generally embraced. It's avoided as much as possible because of operating cost and maintenance. Makes sense. Yeah, sure. You want to park that thing. With all due respect, I don't think an RV can be considered a third car because if you're a serious RVer, your primary transportation is the RV. And if you have another car, that's your toad. 
In other words, towed behind the RV. The one remaining scenario where the RV makes a lot of sense for me is to fly into a city out west, like in western Montana, rent an RV there for a few weeks, staying in pretty country all the while and not driving a lot. And he says, my parents had an old bus converted to an RV. It was not a great way to travel in eastern states. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, I appreciate that. I would love to see a photo of that bus that was converted. I'm sure he's got one. Yeah. He probably does. So if you're listening, send in a photo. If if you've got one of that converted bus, that'd be kind of cool to see. And I thought that was was a good note. It's very thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, he's right. You know, the... uh, the cost of keeping that thing on the road would be just incredible. Because what do they get? I mean, at best, at best, we're probably thinking like six to eight miles per gallon. Oh, yeah. They're, oh, they're thirsty beasts, and for I, sure. I know that varies greatly. I mean, there are right. going to be some that get three and others that get 12. Mm-hmm. But you're not looking at much a much greater range than that. I think that's probably about what you're going to be maxing out at. Maybe we should look into like the, the stats of like the, the, the most efficient RV out there. Yeah. So that would be your, that would be the one you'd want. But the problem is I bet that one is like, you know, half a million bucks. Yeah. Well, dream big. The, and, and, uh, I, I do appreciate it. The, uh, childhood dream of mine is, is like so many childhood dreams. Uh, it's being crushed by reality. It's a little bit ambitious, maybe. But uh, <laughs> oh, you were going to say ambitious? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that then, because I, boy, I just saw the uh, oh, you were thinking. I it. saw the defeat in your face when I said it's being crushed by reality. Well, That's hope springs eternal, though, because <laughs> I think Chris's recommendation of that Chevy yeah. might be more my speed. You know, there is a mid ground here. There, as you said, I mean, that's a, that's a perfect example. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Part of the Breaking Bad fan of me wants to yell no half measures, but. uh but yeah, I see what you're saying. The thing is that uh, nice. over the years, I, I've looked into a lot of stuff about um, specs for RVs and which uh, what, what are the like the most opulent and the most reasonable ones. Uh, but not I haven't done any uh, in depth like research or uh, even interviews with people who are living in an RV lifestyle, and then. If that's the case, there's a, there's a high percentage, uh, or there's a there's a possibility at least that I would be one of those people who buys an RV that sits in there. Sure, unless you uh, maybe someday you'll retire with you know twenty million in the bank, and then you won't even care about the fuel cost. You'll just uh, you'll just burn it all as you go, and, and you'll be able to see everything you want to see and do everything you want to do. I mean, you know how inflation goes, Scott. We could have twenty million in the bank tomorrow. Uh, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's a true. Good point. Um, all right, so that's an interesting thought, though, that you know maybe you rent one somewhere and you yeah. just tour the region and then you return it, and it's not your it's not your thing anymore. It's then, not your responsibility. Then you, then you get on the plane and go back to your uh, you know your Monte Carlo. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe I should just try. Uh, maybe I should just try to get um, just dip my toes in the RV water. That's you know? a safe bet. And maybe that'll just scratch the itch, and then I'll think, what a fool I was to ever take an RV over a. A badass Mustang. Have you ever driven an RV? I drove an RV one time. Really? Yeah. A big, I mean, like a, a huge RV or was it like To a, me it was huge. A, yeah. I yeah. bet they all feel huge. It was not, um, it's way more fun to not drive. Uh, just because there's so, at the time it was the largest vehicle I had ever driven. Yeah. And the blind spots, if you or if you don't adjust the stuff right, yeah. the blind spots are are still pretty big. It handles completely differently. I I think there are a number of vehicles that are more fun for everybody except the driver. Yeah, more fun for the passenger. Yeah, like custom vans is another example. I'm trying to think of anything else that might be more fun if you're not the driver. A Maybe, bus. A, well, a bus for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch out there. I don't know about, I mean, if we take it to aviation, I don't know about planes. We'll have to have some pilots right in. <laughs> oh, no, I, it's got to be fun to fly a plane. Yeah, I, I would hope. I mean, uh, all the time you have to put in. You know, there was a buddy of ours who used to work here who uh, his big hobby was getting his pilot license. Really? Yeah, he moved out to uh, Andrew. Oh. Uh, he moved out to uh, San Francisco a few years back. Uh, but But I asked him why he, I was like, why are you investing all this time and energy into getting a pilot's license when, you know, it doesn't, it's a hobby for you. Right. And, uh, he said, well, one day I like to think that if I ever had to steal a plane, I could. <laughs> Which <to laughs> That's me, the plan. That was, that was the most, uh, unexpected answer. Uh-huh. Yeah, but usually uh, they just say it's, a, it's an enjoyable hobby. It's something I enjoy. I like, and, uh, the freedom of being up in the air and uh, oh, all yeah, that, yeah, all he, that hallmark he just, stuff. He just cut through all that and said, "If I ever have to steal a plane, I'll know how to fly it." Right? Yeah. Which uh, to me was an answer I really respected. He could be an airplane repo guy at this point, which that would be some kind of career. An they, airplane repo, yeah, because yeah, yeah. those are real. Yeah, they are. I've seen the program and and surprisingly entertaining program. By the yeah. Way. If you've never seen an episode of Airplane Repo, uh, check it out. It's it's to me, it's better than all those, uh, you know, the the uh, South Beach Toe or whatever you know oh, those, yeah, those yeah, shows yeah. are. Yeah, the repo uh, shows. Yeah, I mean, they seem a little put. I mean, more than a little faked, but um, a lot of that is staged. Yeah, the air, air, airplane repo thing has a, a a real feeling to it. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's uh, it just seems like it's a level above. So if you happen to be involved in airplane repo, <laughs> let us know about that. And also, um, I think we should spend some time reading some more listener mail, maybe in a later episode, about uh, people's third cars. We had we had some great suggestions. We also got a lot of feedback about the Datsun, and people are people enjoyed the podcast, Scott. But as you know. Uh, the, the fans demand the Z car podcast. Yeah, we have left them with a huge cliffhanger on the, uh, the Z cars. Not that they don't already know about them, but they right. want us to want us to talk about them, right? So that's uh, something we are definitely going to do. Yeah, we're not going to avoid that one, but we are uh, we're going to dig into some Z car research in the near future, yeah, very soon. I don't know if it'll be the very next one that we do or not, yeah, but uh, it's coming up. Don't, it's coming uh, up. You know, you can. Uh, well, I don't know. Don't don't hold your breath, but it's coming soon. Oh, and Scott, that reminds me, we have we have an announcement. Uh, we are going to be going from two days a week on our podcast to one day a week. We've got uh, some other projects in the works. We've got some stuff cooking. So car stuff will be coming out once a week uh, for the near future. Yeah, and I think we've uh, we've tentatively talked about uh, making that release on, on Tuesday, not on hmm. Thursday. Yeah. Uh, we had been going with, you know, the two days a week before, and uh, there's just – there's just a lot happening here in the office. It's not a bad sign for car stuff, so don't worry about that. Right. They're, they're still happy with us and all of that is, right. is still good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that we need to focus our attention on some other things here in the office, and you'll see what's happening here at How Stuff Works soon enough. Right, yeah. This this is good stuff. This also gives us, I think, some opportunities to do some uh, some different stuff with the show, so maybe longer episodes. Who knows? Yeah, some uh, some, some cross uh Productivity with other shows as well. Right. Like uh, you and I, Ben, have already collaborated on something. Oh yeah, uh, that's coming out that I think I think the car stuff listeners will be interested in as well. Oh man, yeah, um, that's so, going to be a good one. So again, there's uh, there's some there's some things in the works here, and uh, don't look at this as a bad thing. Oh yeah, no, act- actually, uh, this brings me to something I think is pretty cool. Since we have so many people looking for the Z Car podcast, we have a we have a neat opportunity and. Uh, we'd like your help with it. 
Is there something about the Z car that we absolutely must cover? A little piece of trivia that you want other people to know, an important point. Uh, if so, let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Go to Car Stuff HSW on either of those. Like us, follow us, say, guys, Z cars, here's the thing. Yeah. And, and we sometimes get that by, you know, by way of, I cannot believe you guys didn't mention right. this. And then they, then they have some fantastic fact that we would love to have shared. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is a, a prompting ahead of time. If you've got one of those little, little tidbits that you mm-hmm. want people to know, Send it in. We'll uh, we'll check it out and we'll and we'll add it to the show if it's valid. Yeah, and it may be part of the show too. Uh, so we're probably going to have a lot of listener mail in that upcoming Z Car episode. If you want to be part of it, if you want to take a page from Chris and Rudy's book, you are more than welcome to go ahead and write an email to us. Uh, if it's for this episode, for Z Cars, for an upcoming episode, or just to say, "Hey guys, what's up?" Uh, then. Then let us know. Our email address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.